after school component, I, we started a male initiative um, that I kind of spearhead. Uh, and that was to just kind of, you know, these, the male role models didn't exist in the communities mm -hmm. for a lot of these boys. And a lot of them mm -hmm. were following um, negative examples. And where I had the option to follow a negative example, kind of from, from well, some of the things from, from my dad. I mean, he was a good man. I learned a lot from him, don't get me wrong, but there was a lot that I learned to not do, you know, at the same time. Um, so I, I understood where they were coming from. And so we wanted to provide something different. I mean, I had young men who didn't know they had to wash in between their toes. I had young men who didn't realize they had to wash behind their ear. I had, we had a young man who they used to call him stank because he, oh. he smelled, but legitimately, like a lot of the kids were like, no man, like we're not just playing with you. Like, you know, you might have a, a thing. And so during that male initiative, he's like, can that be real? Like, could I have a condition? And I'm just standing there and I'm like, yeah, probably. So got in touch with his case manager, his case manager got him to the correct kind of doctor. And they're like, oh yeah, absolutely. Prescribed him a, a deodorant and a prescription level deodorant then two weeks later the kids are like yo man like you don't you don't stink anymore like and, uh. and like they were congratulating them and it was incredible and i can't imagine how this kid's life changed because he wasn't going to be the smelly one in class anymore and he was 16 years old Wow. And it all came out of a male initiative, which was just something my executive director's like, we got to do something with these boys. Welcome to At the Table with D. Monique. Pull up a chair, sit down, relax, and let's chat. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to At the Table with D. Monique. Here we have real conversations with real people sharing their real life stories. I'm your host, D. Monique, and our special guest today is Joe Gerstenfeld. His name is Gerstenfeld. Yes. When I was a teacher, just to save everyone the hassle, I was just Mr. G. It kept it really easy for everybody. And okay. it's funny the people that still refer to me that way. As Mr. G? Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> um, I want to uh, Joe, I want to just thank the first time listeners, as well as those who's been listening to the podcast for a while. I thank you guys for taking the time to not only watch, but also listen uh, to these podcasts because we are doing it for you guys. And I thank you for, you know, liking the stuff on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. And I also thank you for sharing it. Um, I've gotten so many people to tell me, oh, I heard about your podcast from my friend so-and-so. So, -and -so. so uh, I really appreciate that. So the purpose of the podcast is to share real life stories because I'm hoping that something that is said here is able to impact your life. Uh, you guys know before we get into any conversation, we are going to have snack time. So if this is your first podcast with me and you didn't know that we have snack time, I want you to take a moment, pause this podcast, go get you a snack, and then come back to the podcast. So we're going to wait for you. Grab a snack and come back to the table.
All right. So I hope you have a really good snack. And Joe, we're going to let you go first because you're the guest. But one thing that I've incorporated in the podcast is a prayer because my great grandmother, Lucille, she will always teach us to pray before we ate. So uh, I remember having tea parties with her, but we'll have just tea and maybe like uh, crackers with butter. And guess what? We still said our grace. So we're just going to say a quick grace. And if you would please bow your head with me. Uh, So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this food that we're about to receive. We ask that you allow it to bring nourishment to our body. And, Lord, we ask you to bless the listeners as well as Joe and his family who are on the other end. And we just pray that this podcast is able to impact someone's life. We thank you for this and all other blessings in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. So, Joe... Tell us what you're snacking on today. I'm snacking on a jalapeno uh, grass-fed beef stick. Oh, wow. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll tell you, I like a good spicy uh, meal. So tell why'd you choose this uh, grass stick? I've had a lot of success uh, with keto dieting in the past, and mm-hmm. I am tired of saying that I have COVID weight because the pandemic it was however long ago. So uh-huh. I'm really just trying to like cut back on weight. So, you know, it's protein and spicy. So it's a win for me. Nice. Now, do you always eat spicy food or is it just the beef steaks, uh, beef sticks? I, I like spicy food as much as I can, but I'm really uh-huh. the only one in my household that does. So uh, I do when I can, or I have okay. a lot of extra spices around that I can add into foods because I'm the primary cook in my house. Um, if my wife was responsible for all of us uh, to eat, we'd all be a lot thinner. So, uh, <laughs> so I do have my spices on the side, but I don't incorporate them directly into anything I cook typically. Okay. And what do you like to cook for your family? Um, so my, my wife's big into shrimp. Um, she likes uh, shrimp and, and scallops, so we do seafood pretty often. My son and I are more just actual fish eaters. Um, mm-hmm. Pastas are, are friendly, but not so much for myself when I'm on keto. Um, mm-hmm. But I try to cook um, as often as I can. I do breakfast every morning. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like, my daughter will take, like, I don't know, like, turkey bacon or applesauce or something like that in the morning, and I'll cook and every day I make uh eggs and veggies for my wife like every day if I'm not cooking um breakfast for her in the morning something's something's wrong um so that's I pretty much that's every so day sweet. I, I think that's so sweet that you do that for your wife yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's something that it, it brings me a lot of joy too um uh cooking is therapeutic I'm not just standing up in in the kitchen, um, you know, around mm-hmm. hot things or anything like that. I did um, some ribs in the oven l- last night, so just 225, and you leave them in there, and you don't have to worry about it. It's great now that I'm working from home that I have the opportunity to cook, like, hearty meals like that and have it mm-hmm. not interfere with my work schedule. You know, uh, one of my aunts, she has a um, home daycare, and I remember she would do that. Like, she would put stuff in the oven, while she's, you know, taking care of the kids. And by the time her family would get home, uh, you know, like when the kids were school age, by the time they would get home, dinner was already cooked. And like you said, it doesn't really interfere with your work, uh, especially when you cook it low and slow. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So, Joe, uh, I also have a spicy, <laughs> a spicy snack. Nice. Uh, 
I recently just got back from uh, Costa Rica. It's my first time going there. And I was in the store. And these are, uh, it's a plantain chip. And it has chili and lime. And so I wanted to bring back a few snacks uh, to share with you guys. So we're going to see. The brand is called Zambos. Our Zambos. And this is going to be like a, a live reaction. So let's see how this tastes. Nice. Do we cheers? Let's cheers. Is it a digital cheers? Cheers. Yes. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> I like the crunch. I taste the lime. Not a lot of heat like I was expecting. But I have a chili yeah. lime seasoning that I use. It doesn't have a lot of heat to it either. Good flavor, but not a lot of punch to it. Mm. So you have to add a little bit more chili to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is a good snack. I would definitely, um, there's a lot in this bag. Now, you guys know when you normally you buy a bag of chips, mm -hmm. it's mostly air. But let me see if I can show you guys. Can y'all see? There are a lot of chips in this bag. It looks like there's so, a lot. Yeah, so to the, the Zambos company or Yummy's company, good job on really giving a, a great portion. Yeah. Was Costa Rica just something fun for you? Um, just I would say it was more relaxing. Um, a friend of mine contacted me and was like, hey, um, you want to go on this trip to Costa Rica? And I said, yeah, I, I was feeling a little bit of a burnout. And I, I said, yes, I'll go. And the trip was everything that I needed. I just needed to like chill. We went to the beach, um, had a chance to visit some waterfalls and got muddy doing an ATV ride. So that was uh that was really exciting. It was raining. So, you know, rain, dirt, lots of mud. It was it was all that I needed. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So I wanna tell you guys that I met Joe roughly two months ago. We were um in a group and you know everybody was just kind of posting what they what they did and so Joe and I contact each other and uh, we were playing kind of phone tag for a little while because Joe and his family just moved so I want him to just share with us a little about what's been going on with his family and then we're going to talk about um, his commitment to the youth in his community so Joe you guys, like I said, you just moved. Where'd you move from? So we really moved only about five, ten minutes away from where we were. Um, mm -hmm. It was just time for a larger place. Uh, my son is 15. My daughter's six. Uh, wanted to make sure that they had their own rooms, that they had um, space uh, to not only for themselves, but also for when friends and family come over and things of that nature. Uh, and it was just time to move from to a larger place. So we really just moved down down the road. My wife found a spot that she liked, and we did what we need to do and we're here now mostly unpacked not completely um 
but uh, the move itself was kind of challenging because we ended up having to keep our um, apartment that we were living in for an additional month. So we had, you know, mm -hmm. the, the two payments, the payment here and then um, the payment there. Um, I was transitioning jobs. And while I was preparing for the move, uh, got a call late night from my mother that my grandfather, her father, had passed. Uh, so we were interrupted during the move by packing up myself and my two kids and going down for the funeral. My wife, unfortunately, couldn't make it because she had just started a new job, Did, doesn't have time off or anything like that. I had not started my new job yet, but was in my last, I don't know, four days of mm -hmm. employment uh, for my previous employer. So I basically just, you know, used in my, the rest of my vacation time, bereavement, whatever it was. And, mm. you know, uh, wish there was more that I could do, but wish you all the best of luck in the future. And just went on my way. Uh, when we got back, finished unpacking, got the move done. And then we were scheduled to have a family trip. We thought the move was going to be earlier. You always think mm -hmm. things are going to happen a particular way. Yeah. But, you know, my mom used to say, um, you know, people make plans and God laughs, you know, yeah. cause you just have to kind of go go with the flow of whatever's um, put there. But uh, all in all, just the opportunity to, to go down and see family, you know, even though it was for, you know, my grandfather's passing, it was still a blessing. Like like he had a yeah. really good life that the um, funeral, they had all the grandchildren and great-grandchildren stand up and like I, even I didn't realize the legacy that he had already walking around and the different things that people are doing um in like how many kids there are like I have two my cousins got two another one of my cousins got two another one of my cousins has one um I forgot how many cousins there were there's nine of us in total and now we have kids and it's really something because it was just you know my grandparents at one point um right you know, in New York before they moved down to Florida. And so it's just, it was really, really something, but it was overall, it was just such a great opportunity because we got to start our new life in, in our new home. We got to visit with family, um, both, you know, in South Florida. And then when we went up to the Northeast, my brother just moved to, to Delaware, um, a little less than a year ago. So we got to see his new place. So it was really something, it was just quite a time period. Uh, and then, you know, starting the new jobs. And then on top of that, it's like, Hey, I still want to do this podcast thing, so you know, don't don't forget about me. We'll connect eventually. Um, and I did not forget. And about now we're you. stabilized, and I'm I'm talking from my my workstation. It's really nice because the docking station is here, so I just put my work laptop to the side, plug in my personal machine, and I'm good to go. So it's it's nice. It's it's really really nice that things are starting to settle, but are still mm -hmm. active. If that makes sense, like it's settled. Yeah. It's not as bumpy, but we still have a lot going on. Right. No, I get it. And, you know, I just want to offer my condolences to you uh, and your family on the passing of your grandfather. But I'm so happy to uh, look, listen to your perspective that your grandfather lived a good life and for you to be able to uh, have all of your cousins and siblings stand up and you able to really see his legacy, not only for, of him, but also your grandmother. It, it really, it, it, the, the way that it was just officiated, it just, it took away a lot of the, um, sadness, I guess that was there, but how, how can I say this? Like at, at that stage in the game, when you're over 85 years old and you've had the medical conditions that my grandfather was, mm -hmm. I certainly wasn't shocked, but obviously I wasn't, you know, 
no one wants to get that call. Um, but right. it is the it is the reality of how things go. You know, it is mm-hmm. part of the the life cycle, if if you will. And you know, to have the the true nature of my my daughter, who was very emotional at the the graveside, to then be at my aunt's house afterwards, and the kids to be playing. And yeah. like, it, you know, like it, it was just a beautiful thing because that's, you know, that's what he, you know, it's cliche, right? People say that's what he would want, but it's what he got, whether he wanted yeah. it or not, because right. that was, you know, that, that was it. It was a real testimony to the type of man that my uh, grandfather was. So, uh, while uh, it's, it's, it's sad, you know, like Thursday, uh, you know, I wanted to give him a call. I called my grandparents probably twice a week or something like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, this was the first time that I'm like, man, I'm really just, I'm gonna call grandma, but he's just not going to be there. Yeah. So, yeah. And, the, you know, it's and one like of those you said, things. it's it, it's a part of the circle of life. And, mm-hmm. um, um, though we may be saddened sometimes, especially when you have someone who may have some health issues, the best thing that we can do is be grateful that that person is no longer suffering and then they're in a much better place than we definitely are. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Definitely. Yeah. So Joe, did you grow up in Florida or did you grow up in New York? No, in, in Florida, but Okay. My mom and dad were both born in Brooklyn. Okay. And my gran- and both sets of grandparents were uh, lived their whole lives in in New York. Well, most of their lives in New York till they moved down uh, with their family. So my mom and her four her three siblings were born and raised in Brooklyn before they moved down to South Florida. And then my dad and his younger brother were born. Mm-hmm in Brooklyn before they moved down and my uncle, my dad's youngest brother was born in Florida, okay. but my mom and dad didn't meet until they were in high school okay. in Miami. It's a high school sweetheart. Yeah. yeah they, in Nor- um, uh, Norland high school in North Miami. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so the sweethearts is... didn't last though. They're, they're not together anymore, but uh, no. it, it, it was nice while it lasted. So ch- cheers to the good memories. But boy, it, it was good when they separated. You know, not everybody's equally yoked. It doesn't matter what, how hard they work or what happens. It just, you know. Well, at least they got together. That's a whole different podcast, to, uh... a whole different story. <laughs> yeah. I would say at least they got together to make you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. My, my yeah. brother and I are, are the, uh, by far the best things that came out of that, except for when it ended. Cause it was, it got, yeah. it was not pretty. Yeah. You were happy to see it in. Mm. I'm, I'm happy with how things ended up and where things mm-hmm. are situated now. Um, mm-hmm. But during the time, you know, you were, you were conflicted. Um, it was, you know, when a lot of trauma was building up because I was 15, my brother was 12 when, mm-hmm. when the split really started. And, you know, it, it wasn't, it, you know, it wasn't a split because it's like, you know what, we're just falling out of love. No, there was some, you know, it, it, my, my dad and my mom both did some unfortunate things, you know, it, okay. it happens. But um, overall, it was, it was, it was for the best. You know, mm-hmm. and, you know, you have to make the decision uh, as to how you're going to respond to things when you are old enough and mature enough to do so. And the 
trauma and the impact that that split and just the whole situation that led up to their, their separation and divorce, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it didn't always necessarily make me the best person to be around. And sometimes it did, um, but it painted a really clear picture of what parenting uh, and fathering could be and should be for myself. Um, mm -hmm. I did learn from non-examples more than I learned from positive examples. But, I mean, in, in the end, my children are reaping the benefit of it regardless. So, you know, yeah. it, it's the storms are going to come no, no matter what. So, like, how are you going to re respond? You know, and sometimes I didn't have an umbrella. And even when you do have an umbrella, sometimes the wind blows it out of your hand. So what you going to do with it anyways? <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things. So, um, overall, it ended up well. Mom's happy and healthy for the most part. She's a breast cancer survivor so you know oh, thank god for that i mean it, it's just amazing my dad's doing well um my brother's doing well so you know where we're situated now is a blessing for sure yeah well hey i'm so happy to hear your mom is a uh breast cancer survivor mm. yeah and may she continue to be in remission thank you yeah yeah it's really so, cool yeah so joe uh, you know, we're here to talk about your involvement with youth, but I want to hear about you as a kid. Like, were you involved in activities? I was uh, to an extent, right? But um, my my dad, um, and this is this is the way I recall it, um, mm -hmm. wasn't always around to assist. And with um, my brother and my mother's responsibility on the job and things like that it, we weren't always able to to get to things so aside from um piano lessons for a short bit of time and t-ball for a short bit of time i don't really remember too many other youth activities that i was engaged in like formalized mm -hmm. but like you know there were a lot of kids in the neighborhood and going out and playing was never an issue so yeah. I, you know i was interacting with other kids but not anything as organized as today and you know that we didn't do play dates and stuff like that back in the you know mid 80s early 90s when i was uh coming up it just wasn't a, a thing like it is today and yeah you know kids just they, they you know every generation comes up a little bit differently right um mm -hmm. as opposed to my kids that have kind of always been involved in something right yeah you know i think our neighborhoods when we were growing up in the 80s and 90s were just different um you didn't really have a lot of subdivisions you know now everything is a subdivision um and it's kind of like you're you're blocked off from the the rest of the world i remember as a kid walking three or four blocks to your friend's house to knock on their door because there weren't cell phones right you knock right. on your friend's door and you're like hey uh, can your kid come out to play? Uh, and it wasn't like that. I'm, I'm saying that, but it was actually because we were taught manners. You went to your friend's house, you say, Hey, Mr. And Mrs. So-and-so, uh, if they didn't already know you, you introduce yourself. My name is, you know, such and such. And I would like to know if, let's see if Joe can't come outside to play. You know, it was like a formal, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> formal greeting, right? And then they will let you know if they could come outside. And Joe, when you you said something, and it made me think about how I remember playing as a kid. I wasn't in a lot of uh, organized activities, but as kids, we organized ourselves. Right. You know, it was like, hey, you know what? For the next couple of weeks, we're going to. 
uh, I don't know, be be the hop hopscotch crew. So we're going to do this at this time in this place. You know, we organize ourselves. Do you like? Did you and your friends do that? Yes. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, and we grew up in South Florida, so every year, year or other year, there were um, hurricanes, and so downed <laughs> trees, and every downed tree became a fort, became a yes. jungle gym, it became something uh, to to play on, and I mean, it's just South Florida in in general. There was, you know, there's just it used to be swampland, so there was always uh-huh. nature like trying to get back in so yeah there was always something to play with and 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 do now my son kind of had that opportunity because when we were um when he was younger there were a lot of kids his age living in the development but my mm-hmm. daughter didn't have that experience they were either older like my son or or had already moved out um so she mm-hmm. didn't really have that opportunity um like I did and, and like he did and I, rem- I we had several kids knock on the door and ask if, if he could come out and play yeah. And I, I think that's what, um, you know, because of that disconnect, you have more people mm-hmm. starting these play dates, you know, they would meet at par- uh, parks, you know, maybe if your daughter had a classmate that she got along well with, the parents connect and say, hey, can, you know, we meet up on this day so that kids can play. Uh, I mean, I think that's good, but I do. My heart goes out to the kids now that don't have that experience of just staying outside all day long. And at the end of the day, you go inside and your parents like, Oh my God, you smell like a little wet puppy. You mm-hmm. need to, go, <laughs> you need to go <laughs> and take a shower and then we can eat dinner. Yes. And you know, part of it is just how things are stigmatized now. The media wasn't mm-hmm. as prevalent as it is now. And, you know, it's so easy to fall into the, the rut and the stigma that everyone's out there just to, to steal your kid or, you know, yeah. be a pedophile or whatever the case might be. It's so stigmatized now. And so the, uh, like the tolerance for risk was much higher. You know, yes. our, our parents, I guess, didn't think about it as much because certain situations and certain things weren't stigmatized. I mean, it was still happening, uh, yeah. but it wasn't it, it, it had the 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 look and feel that it wasn't happening as often. Uh, yeah. Whether or not that that's true or not, I, I don't know. I don't I don't want to try to speak on that. But the reality is, is that it's very much more prevalent and it's much more pressing. Now, we all have our cell phones and we all get amber alerts and things of that mm-hmm. nature and silver alerts. So it's just much more um, in your face. So the tolerance for risk of harm happening to your children is uh, was lower back then. Yeah, from what I can I, tell, and it's much higher now. Like I can't the the things that like just going and like going to the like the convenience store which was not far from my house i remember when i was allowed to actually leave the development right mm-hmm. and and go to the uh convenience store and i said i'm leaving at this time and my mom knew how long it should take to uh be back right mm-hmm. and uh, i mean my son's 15 and i'm like oh no oh, man. Well, i'll drive you i'll, I'll take you and, and and he's a 15 year old boy and yeah. I'm just like, you know what? I know you that got there and came back safe if I take you. So even whenever he wants to go out with his friends, I'm like, let me know. That's why we have a van. Yeah. I'll, I'll shuttle everybody. You know what? It, it, uh, it's sad that that's the world that we live in, especially when we hear about so many children. I mean, even adults that are being uh, human traffic. And because um, I remember walking blocks 
as a little kid. I mean, elementary school age. And I mean, of course we learned stranger danger, right? It was like, Oh, if you saw somebody and they tried to, to snatch you, you know, you yelled fire, you kicked them. But I think a lot more people, like if you think, well, I don't know how you guys grew up, but, um, where I grew up there, everybody had a front porch. So there were always people sitting outside on their front porch. Uh, people were really out. So if something happened, most of the time there were people around. And so if you yelled help or fire, whatever, you know, words your parents taught you or school taught you, there were people around to hear you. Now, a lot of people are in their homes. Uh, if they are outside, they may be in their backyard, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I do remember those front porches and even folks would screen in their front porch right. just so they could be in the front and they could see neighbors walk by and they would say, hey, you know, hey, Mr. Mrs. So-and-so. Yeah, but um, so it's so funny that we're, we, <laughs> this is probably leading into what you do or you did. So first, before you tell me what you do now, what was your position uh, and your job title before you got your new job. How, how far back should I, uh, should I go? Should I keep it with when I first started working with youth? Uh, as far back as you want to go. Well, it's interesting that you brought up human trafficking. When I first, uh, after I graduated from college, um, mm -hmm. I couldn't find a county teaching job. Uh, I mm -hmm. graduated in the summer, so I missed out on some of those first year, um, you know, start of the school year jobs mm -hmm. because I didn't have my degree when the interviews were taking place, uh, which, which again, that ended up being a huge blessing because I got hired at a, in, in the state of Florida, it's known as the Florida department of juvenile justice. So, mm -hmm. um, I taught at a contract provider site. So we were what was referred to at the time as a day treatment facility. And I was there for almost eight years as a teacher and taught year round. All of the, uh, youth were, sent to us by their probation officers or directly by the court system. Um, several of them were returning from residential treatment facilities and we were their integration back into uh, the, their home community. And mm -hmm. it, it's the best job I've ever had. I mean, even now, and that was a job I haven't worked since I started in 07. So I finished up late 2014, 2015. Um, but it's the best job I, I ever had. And back then, we didn't know as much about human trafficking as we thought we did, especially like 06, 07, when I, when I got mm -hmm. started. And there were two young ladies that we thought we were helping by getting them arrested and caught. Well, not the air quote shouldn't have been on arrested. They 100% got arrested. But they were arrested for... Um, I guess they were arrested for prostitution. I'm not even sure, but they were minors. And so the gentlemen that they were with, they were arrested for several felonies um, as adults. And so they, they were all over the age of 18, but we didn't realize that they were being trafficked. The, the education and the research wasn't out there to that extent. So um, I think about that now when I see the initiatives that are in place um, and how widespread they are, even like within the trucking community, right? It, because they're at the truck stops and they're traveling and they're seeing things, the education that exists just for truck drivers to see signs of human trafficking, um, it's, it's really, really something because it, it's prevalent um, and it's there. And it's not just a youth thing, it's an adult thing as well, but um, it's, it's important 
that were known. So that's where I'm, I mean, I, I kind of always, that was really my jumping off point for working with, with youth and working with children was when I actually wanted to be a teacher. Um, but I was very blessed to get put in that environment, uh, to teach, uh, cause not everybody can hang. Um, yeah. all of our kids were like expelled from the expulsion school. Which I didn't even mm. realize what well, was a thing. They were like the worst kids in the county. They were awesome. Like I, yeah. I loved it. I had two or three kids get their driver uh, permit behind the wheel of my car, and that was something that if I would have tried to do that uh, in a public school, I would have lost my job. But doing it here, mm. I got to be you know that little bit of extra and that little bit of blessing toward um, these kids that that needed it. I mean, we had a kid whose mom uh, called the police on him for theft, but in other homes, it wouldn't be considered theft because all he did was go into the kitchen after nine o'clock and take some food and she called the cops on him. He was stealing. It wasn't his cabinet because that's how oh. she had it set up because that was the, you know, the relationship and that was the level of parenting and engagement that, that she had. Um, and so law enforcement took him. They, you know, got him something to eat and then dropped him off at the juvenile assessment center because there was nothing else they could do with him. He slept there at night and then someone from our facility went in the morning and picked him up and he came to school. But he hadn't had a chance to bathe or anything like that. Just he wasn't malnourished. So it's just all sorts of, you know, stories like that. And those are the kids that I got to work with. And I'm expected to do credit recovery with them, you know, because they were behind in school. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. that was their night. So wow. how does that work? You know, so it's That's just very lot. interesting. But I still had some of the highest gains on um, English and reading scores uh, in the county uh, when they integrated an, an assessment. Like, I was still able to get my kids um, gains. Now, let, let's be honest and transparent about it. They're in the, their 10th grade age, but I got them reading from the 7th grade level to, you know, the end of 8th grade. So they're still behind, but they still had substantial gains. But if mm -hmm. a 10th grade age individual comes in reading on the 7th grade reading level and they get to the eighth grade reading level that just shows you what they can accomplish when someone cares yeah joe i um i cannot imagine uh what those kids were going through every day and then like you say have to be expected to normal uh to to perform as normal mm -hmm. whatever normal is uh kids when they go into a classroom i want you to tell us what subjects were you teaching the kids I I, so I got my degree in social science education, so I was mm -hmm. hired to be the social studies teacher. Now, mm -hmm. funding is limited, so we had one teacher per subject. So I taught every single social studies course, grades 6 through 12, whatever they needed. So my middle school class had 6th, 7th, and 8th graders in it. My high school class had 9th and 10th, and then 11th and 12th, if there were 12th graders there. You know, a lot of them weren't at the senior level, but hypothetically, that's how it would have been um, modeled. Uh, whenever a teacher was out, we couldn't afford substitutes, so we were the substitutes. So we lost our planning period and we covered for that. So in that process, I picked up my English certification. So I also taught English 6 through 12. I was working on my reading endorsement. I taught a personal career social development class. Um, uh, then in the after, after school component, I, we started a male initiative um, that I kind of spearhead. Uh, and that was to just kind of, you know, these, 
the male role models didn't exist in the communities mm -hmm. for a lot of these boys and a lot of them mm -hmm. were following um, negative examples and where I had the option to follow a negative example kind of from from some of the things from from my dad I mean he was a good man I learned a lot from him don't get me wrong but there was a lot that I learned to not do you know at the same time um, so I, I understood where they were coming from and so we wanted to provide something different I mean I had young men who didn't know they had to wash in between their toes I had young men who didn't realize they had to wash behind their ear I had we had a young man who they used to call him stank because he, um. he smelled but legitimately like a lot of the kids were like no man like we're not just playing with you like you know you might have a a thing and so during that male initiative he's like can that be real like could I have a condition and I'm just standing there and I'm like yeah probably so got in touch with his case manager his case manager got him to the correct kind of doctor and they're like oh yeah absolutely prescribed him a, a deodorant and a prescription level deodorant then two weeks later the kids are like yo man like you don't you don't stink anymore like and, um. and like they were congratulating them and it was incredible and I can't imagine how this kid's life changed because he wasn't going to be the smelly one in class anymore and he was 16 years old wow and it all came out of a male initiative which was just something my executive director's like we got to do something with these boys we got to do something with these boys. They're going to leave here as boys. I want to, I want men. I don't want to, them leaving as boys. I want, I want them leaving as men or leaving with the potential to become men because we're, we're getting them as boys and we're letting them leave as boys, you know, cause the average stay for us was probably 180 days or less because we're, we were based on community reintegration. So we wanted them back in their public schools and wanting them um, succeeding or wanting them getting enrolled in the appropriate um, GED program so they can mm -hmm. enter, you know, start working on workforce development and things like that. Like that was our purpose, right? Um, if it was, I always said that the best day would be if we put ourselves out of business because then the community didn't need us anymore because we don't have yeah. kids who are reoffending and, and things of that nature. But yeah, I can't imagine how that young man's life has, has been impacted by something that came out of this idea from my executive director like he's the visionary and then mm -hmm. I'm the uh, implementer and that's the same way it is in my marriage like we'd never go on probably any vacations um, if it was left up to me um, so my wife is kind of the visionary on things like that but you can't leave if you don't pack a bag if you don't right. schedule a flight and things like that so I kind of found you know my niche in life through working with with them so it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting it's full circle but you got to be aware but i spent a lot of time um to uh, work on that self-awareness and just kind of be aware of what's going on um around me to 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 pick up those little lessons and those little nuggets for for what's being presented to you it's the it's the open door theory with god right like the hallway mm -hmm. is your whole life and so if one door opens and another door closes that's a whole long hallway that can't be the only door and so you know just kind of being you know awake if you will um the cup uh the scout motto is mentally awake and morally straight so mentally awake and morally straight so if you're doing the right thing and you're mentally awake you'll probably catch those things you know where, yeah. where that's the hope anyways um well, listen, I'm, I'm happy that you guys uh, started that initiative. Like you said, you never know um, how greatly that impacted his life. But I'm sure there were other situations that came up with other kids where they just needed somebody that they felt comfortable approaching to ask a question.
you know, um, and I, I think it is important for boys to be able to have men to talk to as well as for girls to have ladies to talk to because there's just certain things that, uh, you know, the opposite sex, you, you may not feel comfortable asking them, even if it's your, your mom or your dad, you don't feel comfortable. But when you have that person, same gender, you know, like I like mindset and you really trust them you can come to them and ask your questions. Yeah. It is so important. It, you know, the, the, it's, um, there are definitely parenting strategies. There, there's mm-hmm. definitely, you know, parenting strategies, but there are clearly defined roles that a father mm-hmm. fulfills and a mother fulfills or clearly defined roles that um, a female can, you know, fill and that, yeah. that a, a male you know, can't, and, and we, we sometimes lose track of that in, in society. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, re- responsibility can be equal and can be shared, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing the same exact activity or the same exact task. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, so what's your, what position are you in now? Like what's your job title now? So I am the team dad program manager for the Florida Association of Healthy Start Coalitions. And so in Florida, Healthy Start programs have been geared toward mom and infant. And I believe that there was a legislative change or some sort of change in contracting where they now were going to offer services to fathers. And so I was hired to kind of spearhead that um, uh, initiative. There's there's several uh, things in place where there are already coaches active and they're already doing things, but now we're going to try to coalesce things a little bit more at the state level and provide some technical assistance so that way these coaches throughout the state of Florida can just operate in a more effective uh, manner from a strategic standpoint because they're all coming in remarkably skilled and remarkably capable of working with these uh, fathers in their homes. I think it's so uh, awesome that government services um, are recognizing the fathers because a lot of times it's all about the moms. And of course, you know, yes, the mom, she's the one who went through the labor process, but the dad is still a part of it. And I know a lot of employers now are offering paternity leave, not just maternity, um, uh, especially like I was in the military and they have now acknowledged it. I'll tell you something else I just recently learned. If you adopt a child as an active duty member, they give you that same leave. And I think that is so awesome because if you are adopting a child, I don't know if they do it for foster as well, um, but I was just having a conversation with one of my patients. But um, if you adopt a child, you need time to get to know them um, and welcome them into your home and allow them to feel, you know, comfortable. So I think that it's so awesome that we are not only acknowledging fathers, but also foster parents or adopted parents. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a huge paradigm shift that's been needed uh, for quite some time. So it's good seeing that it's there. There are um, different studies. And just to kind of paraphrase one of them, the, the question is whether or not it's better to have dad at a child's event just yelling, telling them that they were awful or having dad not there at all. 
and dad not there at all is way worse results than dad being there and potentially belittling the child. So that just shows you the importance of the, the father's role is just the presence of a mm-hmm. father produces better outcomes, long range. Even if yeah. that father isn't using pro-social skills and isn't even, you know, fathering well, the presence right. is still leads to b- better uh, positive results. Our concept, though, is if you're going to be there, learn how to really be there and learn how mm-hmm. to be present. So we kind of are in a process right now of starting with um, dad as a human being, then identifying fathering skills, then mm-hmm. parenting skills. Like what is your role as a father? What are the fathering skills that only uh, the man, the father can can put into place, then parenting and co-parenting, and then kind of rounding out with those relationships with family, with mom, whether you're together or not, uh, with the community at large, uh, to have that holistic sense, because it really does take a village, and mm-hmm. it's important to not lose sight of that, but again, it's it's a role-based thing, like everything is role-based, like I am a a uh, I'm, I'm a father all the time. And this is something I believed in before I started this job, but they just mm-hmm. gave me the literature and the background to really grasp it. But mm-hmm. I'm a father all the time, but I'm not always fathering. That ING is really important. So I'm always a father, but right now during this podcast, I'm not fathering you. Like I'm not in the father role right now, right? right? I'm not actively fathering. And so you have to know what your role is at a time. So when you started this podcast off with a prayer, when you started the podcast off with understanding like that, hopefully there's something out there that someone hears that's beneficial because it's just a conversation. So like, that's my role. My role is to just speak from the heart. So that way, hopefully something comes out there and impacts someone. So I felt that as a guest, so like it took all the pressure off. Because now I don't yeah. have to worry about anything. You know, now yeah. I can just speak. Like, the words are already there. Everything that's going to happen is going to happen. So it really yeah. kind of took took the pressure off, of it, if you will. Um, but right before this, you know, right before the podcast started, I was watching a movie with my daughter, so I was fathering. And, you know, so when she wanted to sit on my lap, she was on my lap. When she wanted to sit on the couch, she was on the couch. When she wanted a snack, you know, we facilitated getting a, getting a snack. So understanding, and that's not just true for what I do in my professional life, but that's probably true for everyone. It's just, you need to understand what your, what your role is at, at mm-hmm. any given time. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Like, I don't expect anyone to think as concretely as I do. Like I'm mm-hmm. typically pretty black and white. Um, I've learned to operate really well in the gray and learn to function really well with individuals that are gray, but I'm kind mm-hmm. of, it is, or it isn't type of deal until it's not. If that makes okay. sense, so I'm kind of like a yeah, walking th- contradiction in that <laughs> regard. But like the the role thing is, it's man, it just takes so much pressure off because you don't have to you don't have to worry about it anymore because you know what your role is, you know what you're there for, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's not necessarily like this big grand thing with what's you know God's purpose for your life or what's your purpose for your life, but what's your role in a given moment and how can you succeed? you know, at that, at that role. So when, um, you know, the advice that was given to me was, again, just paraphrasing, how do you compartmentalize your life? So that way you can always be where your feet are. And so Mm. now my daughter's in a position where, 
you know, she's off in her bedroom and she's playing and she's doing her thing because I've prepped her for this because I knew my wife okay. would be working for the whole week. Mm -hmm. So she knew that this was coming. Uh, she knows what it's like for me to be working on the computer. So yeah. for me to say, hey, just, you know, go into your room, play with your toys, do your thing and whatnot. Uh, she's like, okay, daddy, I'm going to do this. And I have this doll. And she was ready because right. I, I prepped her and I took that time so I could be where my feet are. And my feet are on this podcast right now. Like, that's not to say now. that, you know, if, if she starts hollering, my headset's off. Like, I'm going right. to snap into fathering mode fast. But, right. um, Deion Sanders said it on his um, uh, show on Amazon. That's where I got it from. Be where your feet are. Like, that's what he challenges coaches. If you're here coaching, you need to be 110% here. I get it now. And, yeah. when you're, and when you're not coaching and when you're at your daughter or your son's Little League game, you need to be there 100%. Like, don't be thinking right. about our kids here on campus. You need to be right. thinking about your kids. So that kind of whole compartmentalizing, that role-based thing has just helped me a lot because I can really try to be where my feet are. It's easier said than done. You know, mm -hmm. but but you could really kind of be. It allows your mind you to starts to wonder, right? But it allows mm -hmm. you to be very present in the moment because you're going into it with that mindset when you can. However, life will throw you curveballs, and you know yeah. how how you know how well are you adept to stepping up to the plate when those things uh, happen. And so that's where I, I feel like I've kind of learned to work a little bit better in the gray. But um, you can call it whatever you want to, whether whether it's, you know, being in your role, being in your purpose, um, being where your feet are. But it's it's overall right is just being present to what the moment gives you. Um, yeah. And if you could do that, then you're really living your life. You're not necessarily watching it. Joe, is there a certain age group that this program is targeting? Is it for all dads of all ages or is it a specific range? No, it would definitely be for fathers of all ages. But mm -hmm. um, I believe the and I, I'm only in this job for about a month. So forgive me. But I okay. believe that the Healthy Start Home Visiting Program targets prenatal to five years old. Oh, so for the child from the cradle to five. Mm -hmm. Okay. So not so, so it, much the age of the parent. Like you can be a dad yeah, that's 50 years old and they'll still provide this service for you. Correct. Okay. Yeah, and uh is it based on any social economic standards uh like range like if you make a certain amount of money does do you qualify or don't you qualify for these programs? Not with the way that we're structured in the state of Florida, but there mm -hmm. might be fathering programs elsewhere where that does come into place. But okay. not for what I'm working in. Now there's a lot of different fathering programs too. We're not like the only one in the state. There's several. So, but with the confines of our programmatic model and our scope of work, where we just fall within um, that prenatal to f five years old. Okay. Uh, so I want to know what led to you, like we see that you have a heart for kids. I mean, because since you were a young adult, you've been working with children. So what led you to becoming a Cub Scout leader? My uh, wife co-workers had a son involved in cub scouts they mm -hmm. were doing something with legos that night at their meeting told my wife about it my, at the time my son liked legos and so she said we're going to the meeting <laughs> and that was it and so we went to the <laughs> meeting and then she found out that there was a cub scout 
group at my son's elementary school and she's mm-hmm. like oh they're doing legos as well we'll go there and i'm like i don't know that it works that way like i'm pretty sure you got to do you can only do one and she's like well i'd rather him be at the elementary school anyways i don't even know those people okay uh-huh. whatever you say um you know there's there's the head and the neck right so <laughs> it's very obvious who the, who's, who's the head and who's the neck in my family i'll put it that way so so she said go that way and so the head went that way so that's Uh basically the long short of it is we went to that meeting my son thought it was fun and we just kind of uh kept kept going um now my son is not mine not mine biologically um Mm -hmm. i've been active in his life as kind of like just around at three more so stepping into that father role um a little bit before he was four basically right at four and uh, i think we've been under the same roof before he was five maybe or right around five so i'm the only father figure that he really knows and a lot of our individual one-on-one time happened through camping trips and things involved with uh cub scouts so it's a real testimony to that organization because we are really really close now and i don't think i've ever uttered the words step son um except for when i had to by by law (laughs) and things yeah it's just your um, son yeah, it's just it's just that's that's just my kid. And so even when you were talking about fostering and adopting, like even at once my kids are 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 gone, like I'd be all for that later on in life because you know kids are dope. Like yeah. I, that's just my my sense of things, but um that's how we got involved in scouting. I was not involved in scouting as a kid. I had no frame of reference with scouting um whatsoever and it was just something that we both kind of gravitated towards and are still involved in um to this day. So, um, I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about Cub Scouts. I won't even say I know a lot about Boy Scouts, but most people probably in my situation, we're more familiar with the Boy Scouts. We see them out selling their popcorn for their fundraiser. So can you tell us what is the difference between Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts? Cub Scouts is kindergarten to fifth grade. Boy Scouts is sixth grade through 18, basically. Okay, so you guys are all under one umbrella. It's just different parts. Yeah, it's it's a it's a massive umbrella. So there's the international movement of scouting, which is the international, and then there's the different scouting types in different countries: Turkey, Saudi Arabia, England, Ireland, Australia, United States, Canada. Most I can't say most, but several countries throughout the world have their version of scouting. Right. Okay. Ours is Boy Scout was Boy Scouts of America. Now it's Scouts BSA lawsuit integrating with um, females and things of that nature or having, you know, girls involved in the male scouting movement. So it's not just Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts in in the United States. The Girl Scouts of America is a separate organization and Boy Scouts right. of America. Scouts BSA is a separate organization. But girls are able to be Scouts BSA now or be Cub Scouts, which is the elementary version, which is great because as a Cub Scout leader coming up with my son, sisters were there all the time. And they were doing mm-hmm. all the stuff that the boys were doing. They just never got any recognition for it. And some of the girls were doing it better than the boys. And I would have rather had them as scouts than, than their <laughs> brothers anyway. Just to be honest, because they were doing yeah. their thing. You know, they folded a flag better. Or they, they listened better. And I'm just like, your brother, you know, he's a little bit of a knucklehead. And you're, you're great. <laughs> you know, and, and right. so it just made sense. Not to mention the fact that the majority of the world has had co-ed scouting models for, I don't know, forever. 
You know, mm-hmm. it was the United States, Saudi Arabia, and Turkey were the only ones that didn't have any kind of in- integration of, of the sexes. And like mm-hmm. Turkey and Saudi Arabia, that's really the company we're holding now. Like that's how we're that's how we're doing USA. Like that's oh, that's interesting, right? It's interesting. Um, so now um, it is co-ed technically. So what that looks like is from kindergarten to um, fifth grade, um, it's boys and girls in the same group. They're called dens. So every age group has a den. Let me see if I could do it. Kindergarten is lion. First grade is tiger. Second grade, I think, is wolf. Third grade is bear. Mm -hmm. Third grade is bear. Fourth grade is uh, uh, weeblos, which stands for wheel, W-E apostrophe L-L, will be loyal scouts, weeblos. And then Arrow of Light Scouts, because they're working on their Arrow of Light, which is the Cub Scout badge that carries over into Boy Scouts. When you cross over from a pack, Cub pack, to a troop, right? Oh, that, that's kind of okay. the, the mechanism, um, if you will. So from kindergarten to fifth grade, boys and girls together. Once you get into the troop, the troops are separate. Male troops, female troops. And so a female troop can exist now, but they have their own separate leadership. They go on their own separate camping trips, their own separate everything. Now, if they're chartered by the same organization, like if they like if if the church has a male troop and a female troop, they can do things together. But there are certain rules that they have to follow to keep things separate because they they really are separate organizations. Um, yeah. And in a, in a lot of manners, um, they operate very differently. And so when um, females start, first started being active, maybe two or three years ago, whenever the, the rules changed, they were kind of, mm-hmm. at least in my local area, more linked up with the male troop because some of our troops go back to the 40s in, in our area. So they mm-hmm. have a history of doing things. So once they kind of learned that and got their footing, they really went off and started doing their own thing, um, which which is which is great. Um. Are there any requirements uh, that have to be met to become a leader? Uh, you would get your background checked. Um, mm-hmm. You would need to take certain leadership courses depending on what you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. And then something called youth protection training, uh, which all adults are, are expected to take. So outside of those three things, that, that's, that's it that I'm aware of. That makes okay. it seem overly simple simple because it's a lot of training like the leadership training is a lot and then there's different levels of of leadership mm-hmm. i would uh so for about hmm, i'm trying to think like two to three year period i was a over this was overseas where i was um active duty i was a co-leader for the girl scouts and uh i don't know if this is an extensive training that you know you guys have to go to but there was certain training that the leaders had to go through and then they'll come back and teach us things um but you know of course the best part was the cookie tasting <laughs> mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah that's definitely yeah. a good snack time for the podcast for sure yeah um so share with us what like some of your best memories of being a cub scout leader hmm. um i think the, the first camping trip um, that my son went on is a really, really fond memory of mine because we had no idea what we were doing. Uh, I mean, he and I hadn't really like hung out that much at that point. Mm-hmm. 
and I had not camped since college and most of that camping was inebriated so I don't even think we put the tents <laughs> up right or sometimes we ended up passing out in the car because it was more just an opportunity to go drink in the woods as it was opposed uh -huh. to drink on campus or drink wherever we were drinking at the time right so <laughs> I didn't even put the tent together properly um it was cold but not freezing um and I just remember sitting there looking up at the stars because I didn't put the top on the tent. It was just a bug netting. You're supposed to put the rain fly over it. And I didn't even uh -huh. know to do that. Like, it's so embarrassing to say it now. This just became an incredibly transparent podcast. You thought talking about the trauma from my parents' uh, separation was deep. That's not deep. The fact that I couldn't put a tent together was deep. That, to me, that's deep. So... Man, it just took a turn, and it's me saying it. Golly. Anyway, so it just looking up, and I'm just like, Jake, we're looking at the stars. Like, this is great. And he's like, it, it is, but when do you stop talking so we can go to sleep? Because <laughs> he was in first grade, and I'm just like, now. I stopped talking now. And that was the last thing I said to him. I don't even think I said goodnight. I just said, I stopped talking now. And I didn't say anything else for the rest of the night. But in, in, it was a very organized trip because it uh -huh. was put on by our local council. So that's another thing. You know, Scouts is put together in councils. And we were at the council campground. Uh, uh -huh. So it was very organized. The food was served out of the cafeteria. So we didn't have to, to, to cook or anything like that. And it's a very good integration for a first grader. You know, because yeah. a lot of them have a lot of individuals. There were a lot of tents not put together properly that weekend. We'll just put it well, that way. Right? Well, you were among friends. Oh, yeah, you absolutely. <laughs> but when you, you get there, you, you know, you learn the importance of getting to the campsite before the sun goes down. Uh-huh. Because there's no lights in, in the woods. Okay. At all. So, you know, that's another reason why the tent was put together wrong, because it was dark. And so, anyway, it was it was just really interesting. There was a lot that went really, really well and a lot that didn't, but we both learned a lot from that trip. Um, mm -hmm. We didn't even stay the whole time. He said he had had enough. And I'm uh -huh. like, oh, man, this was fun. I hope he's not done. The next camping trip rolled around. I'm like, hey, you, you want to go? Like, I was a little reluctant. And he's like, yeah, we're going to go. And I'm like, all right, cool. And we just kept going from there. You know, I think that uh, that whole experience about not putting the tent correctly uh, to put in ticket. That's a whole life lesson. Yes. When we first start off with something, we're not going to do it perfectly, you know. Uh, but the flip side to that, you did not know to put the rain flap on is, guess what? You got to see the stars. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So even in any situation, even if it didn't go as planned, you got to look at the good in it. And so you had a full view of the stars and uh, you got time to spend with your son. Yep. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was a great trip. Yeah. Um, so tell me, what are some of the core values for uh, Cub Scouts? Uh, Cub Scout is loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, clean, brave, reverent. That's not right. That's not the whole order. Like, I, I didn't get that right. But that's basically the core values of, okay. of Cub Scouting. Um, so you mentioned that you were working with the, the youth, uh, when you first graduated from college, right? Mm -hmm. And now you're a Cub Scouts. Have you been able to use some of those skills that you got from the other, the older kids and 
be able to transform that into being able to communicate with the little ones um, and maybe try to help them to avoid some of the mistakes that your, your older kids um, had made. And I won't say put them, I hate to even blame the child because sometimes kids are just responding to their environment. Like you said, that young man, he wanted to go and get some food from the refrigerator and his mom said that he was stealing. In my opinion, I don't think a kid, if a kid is in my house, I don't think they can steal food. I would ask them, hey, let me know. Just say, hey, can I have some of this? So I know that you're not eating Oreos all day because at some point I'm going to have to say, we cut out the Oreos, but you can have, no, you can't have that, but you can have maybe a sandwich or something else. You know what I mean? Yeah, because that's nurturing, not traumatizing. Any right. adult would do that. You know, you're going to look out yeah. for the, the child's well-being. But uh, to answer your question, with the younger kids, not so much. Um, but with the older kids, absolutely. As my son um, finished Cub Scouts and moved into uh, the troop, the sixth grade to the twelfth grade, mm -hmm. um, definitely. Um, and in a lot of manners, too, because I was able to... How can I put this? So it's it's interesting seeing an organization that exists six to twelve. There's a mm -hmm. lot of difference between a sixth grader and a twelfth grader. A lot, right? And so mm -hmm. your troops are broken up into patrols. And ordinarily, you'd have an older patrol and a younger patrol. And then boys in the older patrol will work with the younger patrol to, to help them move through their ranks and things like that. And that's for Boy mm -hmm. Scouts. That's the six through, through twelve. But they camp in the same area. And so their conversations are going to be different. Seven graders are not talking about the things that eleven graders are talking about. If they are, that seven graders, we 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 got a we got an issue, right? Yeah. And even those eleven graders shouldn't be talking about some of the things that they're talking about in the first place, right? And so you can help my my communication skills and my experience with my my students definitely translated into situations like that where I could kind of get through and break it down to them because when an adult comes up and says come come sit down we're gonna have a rap session we got we got to break this thing down because the behaviors that I'm seeing I, I can't see again like mm -hmm. that's just that's just a no we're, yeah. we're not doing that. That's that we're just not doing that. And it's very different to have when you're a young man and to have an older man of any kind of stature, just say, we're, we're not doing that. And, and it takes a while, right? I mean, sometimes the, you know, respect is earned, you know, dignity is, is a given type of deal, right? You know, we're, we're all, you know, created by the creator. We're all breathing the same oxygen. We're basically putting our pants on the same way, all that stuff. So we're all human beings. So the dignity piece right. should be there regardless, right? But respect is earned and I can understand that. So we don't respect you. We don't know you. That's fine, but we're still not doing all this. Right. And so right. let's have the conversation uh -huh. so we could uh, figure that out. And that's really, you know, the, the core piece of it is how do you learn to have that constructive conversation? But you you also don't say that necessarily with a second grader because that second grader might still be in a, in a why phase because they're trying to figure things out. And so you also can't get overly frustrated by by the repetitive why, because the why is important. It's it's important for them to figure out the world around them so that way they can navigate and be more successful as, as young adults. So the conversation yeah. style is going to look different and, and feel a little bit different, but it's coming with the same energy. Just the energy mm -hmm. manifests itself differently, and it, it has a physical presence that, that looks different. You know, you know a lot of... Uh parents, guardians, or anyone who work with children, uh, they could easily get frustrated with the why. Because sometimes, 
people may mistake a child asking why as disrespect. Um, and I don't believe that. I think sometimes kids genuinely, most times kids genuinely really do want to understand why. Um, I always tell people, you know, you've been in this world a long time. They've only been in this world a short amount of time. So your level of understanding is way different from a child's. And so if they're asking you why, most times they really do want to know, well, why? Why do I have to do that? Uh, and I mean, I did grow up with the, because I said so. I did grow up right. with that. Yeah, yeah, a lot of but, us did. But uh, I like some of the new age parenting where kids are at, are able to ask questions just so that they have a greater understanding of the situation at hand. I, I know my nephew, uh, Carson, it was one weekend. I think that was the only word that he knew. He was like, why, why, why? And it would have been easy and lazy for me to say, because I said so, but I would actually take the time to explain to him. And I remember it was one question he asked me and I was a little bit uncomfortable with the question. I won't lie. And he said, well, why do you seem sad? I was like, well, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I forgot how I explained to him. I was like, well, I'm just a little bit sad about it. But I answered his question mm -hmm. and I answered it truthfully. Um, and then he was like, okay, and went along. And so I think the whole point that I'm trying to drive here is if someone is listening right now, if you're working with children, you have children and they're asking you a whole bunch of whys, please don't mistake it always as them being sassy or them being disrespectful. Take it as they really are trying to uh, understand the world that is around them. And they're really trying to understand why it is that you're giving them the response that you're giving them. And understand also to, to piggyback on that, because that's a really beautiful example, is to understand your own limitations, right? Because sometimes that why isn't going to, it isn't going to work. Like it's just going to be too much. But what is your why? And why are you working with those kids in the first place? You know, if mm -hmm. you can't, if you can't deal with the why and if you're not uh, prepared for the why, because the, the why is, is so interesting because the why is learning your world. It is learning mm -hmm. your parameters. It is learning what's around you. But part of that is also learning when to ask why. You know, mm -hmm. that's part of it, too. And if you have a four-year-old asking why compared to a 14-year-old asking why, you're only going to have that 14-year-old asking why in the appropriate manner or the appropriate time if their why at four years old was addressed appropriately and in the appropriate manner and at the appropriate time. Like the child is the side effect of what they encountered. We're all the side effect of what we encountered. Just as we get older, hopefully we have enough maturity, enough with itness, whatever you want to call it, to engage in more pro-social behaviors and work through whatever we need to do to be as present as possible, at least for from, from my perspective, but yeah, the why um, doesn't typically bother me and doesn't typically get to me, but no one's perfect. You know, I'm mm -hmm. sure like within this month of July, um, my daughter hit me with a why and she got hit with a gosh, dog it or something, you know, because it, <laughs> it happens, you know, I, like uh -huh. 
as much as you try to be present, sometimes you're not. Other things are going on. You know, when my daughter asked why, and I got water boiling over in a pot, the pot with the boiling water might probably wins, you know, or, or, or something like that. Or, yeah. um, you, know, you know what I'm saying? There's a time and a place for everything. And yeah. that's part of them knowing as well, because, you know, then it's circling back, you know, did you notice that this was going on? Did you notice that that was going on? And I'm sure she didn't at six years old, but if you can get that kind of engagement or just plant that seed a little bit, it'll take hold later on. Cause you never know. You never know. What do they say that the bonsai plant or whatever that gets planted in Japan, it stays underground for like 15 years and doesn't sprout anything. And then it has most of its growth within the first 10 months of sprouting or something like that. Mm -hmm. So just plant the seed and do the best that you can um, and put it there. But, you know, don't get mad at that 14-year-old for asking why in the manner that they're they're asking because they might not have been reared in a manner that showed them what that why was supposed to look like. And that's just your opportunity to, to help work with them and correct them. But, yeah, if you're working with kids and that why is really frustrating you and getting to you and you're not able to cope with it, you need to throw that why on yourself and, and ask why why are you here. Yeah, you know, there's a yeah. lot of ways to get a paycheck, and working with kids is not the easy way. Yeah, you know, you you brought up a lot of um, good points, especially with your daughter. If you had a pot of boiling water, um, you have to say, you know what, I I can't answer this right now because I have to focus in on this. Because if I don't focus on this, it can cause me to get injured, or if you're around me, it cause you to, you know, be injured. So. Um, I think that it, you made a great point there. And with that 14 year old, if they've never been taught when it's appropriate and when not it's appropriate to ask a question, uh, maybe that's your opportunity to kind of teach them. Yeah. And have grace yeah. with yourself too. If you don't respond to it in the best manner, because we are the, because I was, because I told you so generation. Right. Yeah. But have grace for yourself if that's your response or, or if that's your immediate reaction. Um, but I, I think that's just what it is. You know, childhood is is informative. Like those zero to five years are, are prime and probably have some of the most impact on what your life can can look like. Um, so mm -hmm. there's a lot that might have to get processed through in, in that um, situation. So even with my own children, like I said, because of some of the examples that I had in my household that are mm -hmm. not the, the values that I want to bring in, it's still my gut response. It's still my first response. So mm -hmm. you kind of have to be aware of that. And in some regards, you got to fight, fight away from that. So like the brain, right? It's, it's just channels, right? And so behaviors exist in those channels. So every channel kind of is like a, um, uh, what do you call that? A valley between the two mountain ranges. It's, it's like a valley. And so which yeah. behavior are you going to drive deeper? And the deeper it is, the more grounded it is. And so which mm -hmm. one are you going to drive deeper? The one that you experience that's already deep down in there? Or can you drive a new behavior a little bit deeper to get underneath it and have that become the dominant? So be gracious with yourself, but be aware at the same yeah. time. So that way, you know, and that doesn't just speak for my own children. That certainly speaks for other people's children. I don't want them going back from a camping trip and saying, oh, Mr. Joe was talking crazy. You know, I, I do talk <laughs> right. crazy, but like there's a good crazy and there's a bad crazy. Right. And, uh, you, and know, you don't I try want to, the bad crazy. Right. I try to dominate that good crazy because that's that's the that's the best. Yeah. And I'm glad you uh, mentioned grace because um, I think it's so important for us to give not only each other grace, but also ourselves, um, because 
just because we have understanding, you have understanding of something doesn't mean the next person has that same level of understanding, um, or even, um, care, like how they feel in their heart. They may not be there at that moment. So we all have to learn to give each other grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially um, for their point of reference, right? You don't know what mm-hmm. their lived experiences are. You don't know from mm-hmm. what lens they're looking through it. Exactly. You're and exactly so that, that's right. A really, really important piece, man. Just you. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. That's a whole nother podcast. Let me, let me stop. <laughs> Keep going. Dude, <laughs> yeah. I want to know, like if someone is interested in enrolling their kids in the Cub Scouts, like, uh, what's the process? Yeah, it's it's easier than ever now, especially with some of the changes that the national organization made. You just go to scouting.org, and then mm-hmm. you can select from all the different types of scouting that's there. So there's Sea Scouts. Uh, I'm not sure what it is that they do, but they exist. Um, Venture mm-hmm. Scouts, which I believe is like 14 to 21 or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. It's much more loose. There's Scouts BSA, which is now open to boys and girls. And then there's Cub Scouts. And there might be some others in there, but you just basically select the one that you're interested in. Um, mm-hmm. There's guides on the website, and it'll tell you the age groups and stuff like that. And then you can help uh, – you can find um, the – uh, the organizations that exist in your local area. And before mm-hmm. you actually sign up, go visit them and see which one works for you and your family. Don't just register willy nilly, like find okay. out which ones are there and probably do it like geographic based. Like these are the five that are closest to my home. Go visit them, mm-hmm. go be a part of their meetings and see which one works for you. For example, if you're busy on Wednesday nights, don't pick the organization that meets on Wednesday night. Pick right. the one that meets on Monday, right? Yeah. Um, is, is a good start there, but I wouldn't just hop on and register. Um, it's a phenomenal mm-hmm. organization and it has a lot, to value, uh, a lot of value. Um, I know it has kind of a tainted past with the uh, lawsuits and different things like that. Um, mm-hmm. God bless, that's nothing that I've ever encountered. I've only seen mostly positive interactions and never anything that would be, you know, a, a lawsuit. But, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you got to, you know, check a dad and be like, hey, man, that, that's a little rough, you know. Like, you know, you don't have to talk to them that way, you know, because, hey, the adults are coming with the same trauma that kids are coming with. And, you know, just because they're 42 doesn't mean that they've processed through anything. You know, you don't need to process through trauma to to make a child. It don't don't work that way. Um, Right. (laughs) So, you know, yo, man, not in my troop, but in other troops when we're there with other things, I'm like, look, we staying away from that group. We we ain't doing that this weekend for sure. Um, Yeah. But but that would be my recommendation. Scouting.org. Find the organizations in your area. Go visit them. Find out when their meetings are. uh, Mm -hmm. Get a feel for for the culture um, and see if that works and and aligns for your family because it's made up of different adults and different children and they come sometimes come in with different morals and values. Um, All the morals and values of scouting are the same. Um, scouting mm-hmm. as a whole, I think, is a very positive organization and has been a very good thing for my family and the families that I have seen um, involved in it. Um, mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that every troop in our area is the right troop for us or the best fit. Um, same thing for the uh, Cub Scout pack. Um, so just feel them out and, and see what will work for you. Yeah, um, I think that's really great advice, especially going to visit them all these different troops because if you have if you're a parent and you have multiple kids well you're chauffeuring 
one kid to one activity on this day and another. So just to be able to have that flexibility of days, um, I think that's a great, that's great advice that you gave them to visit. Um, now one of the most, uh, exciting things I think kids go through is earning badges, It is right? So tell us about some of the badges that your kids love to earn. So Cub Scouts uh, earn things called belt loops, and they actually go okay. on their belt. So when they're wearing their official belt, it has all these different, like, metal or steel loops on them. And you earn oh. them for all sorts of different things. And then uh -huh. the Boy Scouts, the older kids, they earn um, uh, the badges. So I think my... My my daughter, as a kindergartner who just finished the Lion program, I think the badge that she enjoyed, or the belt loop rather, that she enjoyed the most was the one that talked about the personal responsibility. So mm -hmm. the fact that she cleans her bed, or cleans her room rather, she makes her bed most mornings. Um, uh -huh. uh, she's working on, uh, or at the time she was working on learning to tie her own shoes and things of that nature. But the personal responsibility one, hey, I know how to brush my own teeth. And she got to check that off on the forum and color it. So she was all hyped because that was something she needed to do. And then one of the boys was like, I brush my teeth too. And so it was like, a, it was like, you know, because they get hype over everything. So it was like a, right. a, a huge, huge deal, right? So I think the personal responsibility one, I don't remember what it's called. Uh, probably something like Lion's Pride or Lion's Honor or something like that. Because right. everything is like kind of cutesy with the Cub Scouts was probably her favorite. And then the fourth and the fifth graders, as they're preparing for Boy Scouts, they uh -huh. earn, um, they're like, uh, what, what do you call them? Um, they're like pins that go on the uh, arm sash and then they earn the oh. actual badges when they're uh, boy scouts i don't know which one is my son's uh favorite um i know he he, he likes the the water and so i i'm pretty sure he got his snorkeling so maybe that one was one of his favorites he hasn't finished um rifle shooting he's not the best shot in the world um but he's still <laughs> working on that one um uh, family life, I think he's he's enjoyed. Family life is a good one because he he does come from a, of an a, an active family and you know he's experienced a, a, a lot, which is cool. Um, mm -hmm. And he's doesn't like doing his chores, but he doesn't fight me on them. You know. Okay. I, and so when he started doing chores, it was this is when you're going to do it. Like I'm telling you to do it, and you're going to do it. To now it's more of a conversation here's what you need to do. When are you going to get it done? And if the time works, I leave it be. If the time doesn't, then we, we got to have some uh, correction. Like that trash never goes out when I want it to, but sometimes it has to because there's other things that need to get put in the trash can. So uh, look, I, I, I feel what you're saying, but <laughs> that don't work for me. Uh, pause your game. Trash goes out now. All right, cool. And then he does it. I mean, he, he doesn't like it, but he does it. Right. So I right. think he's enjoyed the family life merit badge because he's doing the chores anyways. Now he just gets to go on the form, mark it off that it's completed so he can turn it into because they have to keep track of their chores for however many weeks or months and then turn it okay. into the merit badge counselor to get it. So I think he's probably enjoying that one because once you have the conversation piece of it done, it's just doing what he's doing anyways. So it's very easy to just check it off. Personal fitness. Mm -hmm. He's part of um, the Marine Corps ROTC at his high school and he is is a soccer player so super easy 
for him to get his yeah. physical requirements done because they're doing physical training or calisthenics for the soccer team anyway. So he probably enjoyed those because they integrate in his life. And I think that's a good thing about scouts in general is it's really, you know, it could take a lot of time, but it really should integrate with your life uh, in a lot mm-hmm. of manners. Um, you need to do something on the weekend. So you might as well go camping, right? Yeah. But you can't go camping every weekend. So, like, we're we're working on uh, some of our annual scheduling now leading into the next school year. So October, November, don't look at my, my family. We're not we're not doing anything. We, we got traveling going on. We got Thanksgiving, October. We got um, a camping trip with the Cub Scouts, so I can't do it with the older kids. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's when soccer tryouts and things like that are happening. So when we did our form for this year, uh, October, November, my family, we're out. And, but they yeah. know that up, up front, right? But, right. So there, there's, uh, there's no expectation that right. you're going to be there. Yeah. You could yeah. do all everything that you need to do and you want to do, you could do if you're willing to figure out how to get it done. Again, mm-hmm. easier said than done. Like, I'm really speaking to myself. I'm not so much speaking to your audience, you know, <laughs> in that regard. But uh, if they take some from it, God bless. Like, that's great. But, uh, you know, you, you, you can always make it happen. And that's what I'm trying to instill in my, my, um, my kids. You know, you can make it happen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you can, you just got to figure it out. My son asked me if I was nervous, uh, you know, cause we're starting to talk about like, we're, we're, even though he's going into a sophomore year of high school, we're talking about what are you doing in your, in your future? Right. And it doesn't have to be college. Like I could care less if it's college. If you figure out how to monetize your video game playing and that's what, what you want to do, do it. I'm not concerned yeah. about that. Like his aunt's got a PhD. Um, his mom and I have uh, master's degrees. That doesn't mean you have to do that. That doesn't mean you have to follow that. Like from how we're raising, you know, our son. But you got to have a plan. I don't care what it is per se. You got to have a plan. And I'm going to work with you on that plan as much as possible because it's a it's a fine line, right? Because at the same time, he's approaching 16. So the plan's only going to be but so good. But then at the same time, like your, 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 your horse is not going to strap itself to the buggy to get the buggy moving. You know, you got to strap it. So like, it's a fine line of figuring out when are you going to give the option as to when are you going to tell? So, you know, it's, it's uh, challenging. It's hard to navigate at times. Um, But, you know, we're having the conversation of, you know, what do you want to do and and what would you like to do? And he seems like he's college bound right now, which is cool. You know, go do that. Mm -hmm. Not a problem. Um, but if that's not what you end up doing, that's cool too. We'll we'll figure it out and see what's going to be what. But you got to do it. And he asked me. He's like, when um, uh, Grandma and Grandpa were having this conversation, you know, with you, uh, you know, were were you scared or were you nervous? And I'm like, no one ever talked to me about this. <laughs> like I didn't have that. Um, that's why yeah. I'm doing it for you. So he basically said, well, I'm 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 scared. I'm a little nervous for what my my future may or may not have for me. Right. And and he's like, but were you were you were you ever scared? Did you know? And I'm like, no, I wasn't because I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be a teacher since the fifth grade. Like it was no ifs, ands, buts about it. I knew I was going to be a teacher. I just didn't know what I was going to teach. He doesn't know Mm -hmm. what he wants to do. But at the same time, 
I knew that I wanted to teach, so I started teaching. And then I knew I wanted to be a father, so I was, or I knew I wanted to be a husband, so I was a husband. And I knew I wanted to be a father. I got both of those things done at the same time because my wife came with kid already. And so yeah. I got them done quicker than I had anticipated. So while he's sitting, approaching 16, not knowing what he wants to do, where I did, my life's goals were accomplished before I, by 30. Mm-hmm. So I was working toward nothing else, which is how we met in the group that we met in and all these other things, because I was trying to figure out what comes next, because all my life's goals were accomplished by 30. Yeah. So you want to talk and about being in a say- scary place. What? <laughs> now, I wasn't scared in high school. In high school, I was I was ready because I knew I wanted to be a teacher and, and that was it. So it was very easy. But there was nothing else past that because no one ever exposed me to the fact that there could be more than that. I didn't know right. that there was an option other than college. I felt bad for people who didn't go because that's what you were supposed to do. Meanwhile, those mm-hmm. people are millionaires and I'm broke. So, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the realities of life hit you and you and you learn stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But I guess the, the options can be scary and I just try to provide as much guidance as possible. But that's another thing, too, that's so powerful about being part of a community like scouts or being part of a community in your church or whatever it is, mm-hmm. the same exact words coming out of another father's mouth hits differently than when yes. they come out of my mouth. And it hits differently for, for all that. I'm, I, I had a mom and a dad come up to me and say, I don't know what you told him, but he's been so much more after working on his Eagle project. Eagle is the highest rank you can earn in boy scouts. Um, mm-hmm. To, to get it done and I'm like I don't know what I said either because <laughs> if I say the same thing to my son alright fine yeah yeah I'm, I, I got it I got it you know not dismissive in a rude way just like dang I gotta hear this again because it's the same thing and you use that voice it just it just hits differently you know yeah. it's just a totally different deal He, my son has never needed to be told to sweep at a scouting event if it's his assigned role Meanwhile, when it's his time to sweep the kitchen, I always have to tell him. <laughs> How does that work? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's already that expectation that mm-hmm. when you're at this meeting, you're going to sweep. And, uh, you know, that's kind of like what, why I want to share stories on this podcast, right? I don't know what is going to be said that impacts somebody's life. And it's, it may not be the first time that they've heard it. But they've heard it in a different format, right? And so it's like, oh, it hits different. And um, most of my guests have been females. With the exception of the month of June, uh, I was really intentional intentional about only having male guests because uh, June is when we celebrate Father's Day, right? And so I'm so glad to have you here as a guy talking because there are probably some guys that enjoy like I've had guys that say I really enjoy your podcast but now they're not just hearing ladies they have you here as a guy sharing your experience as a a dad sharing your experience in a kind of coaching position even though you're a scout leader still kind of a coaching uh, position and then to hear oh man he used to work with youth and oh they started this group where kids can come together and they can ask questions. Oh, you know, you don't never, you never know what this conversation is going to spark in someone. And so, um, I, I just agree with you because you said you don't know what you said to that kid to make him work on his Eagle Scout, uh, uh, project, but you said something and it lit a fire in him. 
And so that's all that matters is that fire was lit. Absolutely. That's it. That's yeah. all you can ever hope for. Because you don't, you, you're, you're not in control of that. You have no control right. over that. The two things that you can control are your actions and your attitudes about your actions. That's it. You can't mm -hmm. control anything else. Y'all, I give my son great stuff. Like, I have an ability to coach and to communicate pretty well, I think, and to engage with folks. And I swear, I'm dropping nuggets. I'm dope. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. That kid looks at me like I have half a brain. <laughs> <laughs> So you get humbled real, real quick because it's, it's, it's who it is, you know, it, and it right. just, it's, a, it's just a different deal, but that doesn't mean you don't say it. It doesn't mean you don't execute on it. You know, you got to just do what you feel is right. Like, uh, I'm not, I'm not in the mood for this conversation. I can appreciate that to the end of this mm -hmm. earth, but this is the time that I have with you. So you, you better listen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I understand that you're not in the mood. I get that. But I, yeah. I need you to step up right now. Like, this is important. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a conversation I have with him, but, like, I had to break it down for him. No, this is important. We, we need this right now. Where another time he's like, I, I just, I, I can't, I can't right now. And I'm like, I'm like, well, when can you? I just waited. If not now, when? And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hit you back in a little bit. And I just walked away. Like, that was it. Yeah. If my man was really saying, like, I can't right now, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, those are not words that he typically says to me. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, you know, 15 is, is rough. Like, you know, your whole mm -hmm. brain is changing. And like, you know, three weeks ago, you like girls didn't realize you exist. And now they do type of deal, you know? So it's, it's, he's dealing with a lot. And so I'm like, yeah. all right, I, I can, you know, I'm, I'm good. I can only think like three times when he was like just outright refusing to have a conversation with me. And I've got on this kid about grades and all sorts of stuff because I don't, mm -hmm. I, I, it must be so challenging to have a father like me where, uh, you know, I, I thank God that they didn't have online grade books when I was in school. And I did great <laughs> in school, but I didn't do great all the time. Right. And, and I'm on his stuff every day. Every, yeah. Like I do, I do not miss a day where I do not check his grades when mm -hmm. when he's in school because he needs that he needs that kind of um, oversight that's what that's what he needs he doesn't like it but he needs it and I'm like as soon as you show me that you don't need it I will stop and you have not shown me that yet yeah you know that accountability piece is huge you know across the board technology definitely has its uh, benefits uh, for parents and students um, because I know. Uh, like I don't have kids, but um, my sister does, and there have been times where my nephew has a homework assignment, and she's like, "I have no idea what you're talking about, right?" Mm -hmm. And so she can message this teacher, or she can message the other parents, you know, and you're able to help the kid. Also, like you said, you can if you feel like, "Hey, my child needs me to push them a little bit more," you can go and check on those grades, and also you could check to see what assignments they have so that you can make sure that they're working on them and it's not like I don't know two hours before they're going to bed and they're like oh I have this paper I was supposed to write and I had two months but now I'm going to do it two hours yeah the, before the county's I have these learning management systems I get text messages I get emails I get everything I get lit up that's awesome yeah that's a great parenting tool he needs yeah. it it's, it's another thing if it's just for awareness and then you hear about it, we won't hear about it. 
So, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Well, Joe, I'm going to be honest. I have enjoyed this conversation and I know that we could actually go a little bit longer. Uh, but I, I do want to be respectful of your time. I've already kept you a little bit longer than uh, anticipated. But is there anything that you wanted to convey during this conversation that maybe we didn't cover? You know, I didn't really come in with it with any expectations. I'm just uh, okay. very uh, blessed and appreciative for the opportunity uh, to come on. Podcasting is great. It's my first opportunity being on, on a podcast. So um, I hope it was beneficial for someone. I hope someone receives something um, positive that will, will help you uh, move forward. Um, even if it's just sheer entertainment, hopefully we were able to provide that as well. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. So it's it's a jalapeno beef stick and I just got one. <laughs> The heat is not spread throughout the beef stick. It is isolated to when you hit a jalapeno. And I just swallowed it, and it, it, that hits differently just as much as a parent talking. But, no, this, this, was, this was great, um, and, and I appreciate it. And, um, you know, I, I hope it was uh, impactful for, you know, your listeners. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Well, I thank you. And uh, I'll tell you one thing. You definitely taught me. I thought Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts were totally different. And you taught me that they are under the same umbrella of organization. So thank you for that. And uh, thank you for your time. Um, If someone wants to get in contact with you, how can they reach out to you? Uh, Probably Instagram would be the best. um, At Mm -hmm. Joe underscore Gerstenfeld. G-E-R-S-T-E-N-F-E-L-D is probably um, uh, the best way um, to, to reach out to me that way. Or my uh, Gmail account, joseph.gersenfeld at gmail.com. You can always just shoot me an email about anything. Um, so I'm, I work full-time as a fathering initiative. Um, I also do uh travel agent work and travel sales and things of that nature so if anyone has mm-hmm. a trip that they're planning you know feel free to to hit me up with that um and i can see what i can do to to get you a good rate and a good deal on uh some vacations for yourself and for your family um but that email that's journeys by joe at gmail.com yeah. journeys by joe yeah. so you could email that as well but um it all comes to me so uh yeah i'm that, i think those are the best ways to to get in touch with me Nice. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to today's podcast. Uh, Like we said many times, I hope that something here has impacted your life. And even if it's not impacting your life, if you know someone who can benefit from this conversation, please share uh, it with them. Okay. Uh, I am always open to more conversations. So if you want to be a guest, contact me. My information will be in the show notes. And also y'all know I like snacks. So put your snack suggestions there as well. Um, what else? Oh, my contact. So if you want to reach me on uh, Facebook, I am at the table with D Monique. Uh, I'm on uh, TikTok at the table with D Monique. And I am on Instagram at D Monique podcast, but you can search hashtag at the table with Demonique podcast and you can find me. Uh, so until next time, thank you so much for listening. Um, and we'll see you next week. Peace out. Thank you for joining us today. Come back next Thursday for a new episode of at the table with Demonique podcast. Don't forget to bring a snack.